The following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Welcome to Flash Gordon Minute, presenting your hosts from Minute of Darkness and the Cosmic Geppetto Podcast, Brad, and introducing your intrepid explorer of Planet Mongo, Eric. It is minute zero of Flash Gordon. This is the beginning. I am unbelievably excited. Eric, how are you doing? Well, actually, Brad, I'm bored. What plaything can you <laughs> offer me today? I can offer you minute zero of this movie. <laughs> and, and it's an exciting minute zero. And uh, it's funny because we're, we're doing three minutes a week. We're doing three episodes uh, per week. And uh, we start out with a great minute, and then the next two minutes, uh, much less happens. This is this is definitely a front-loaded week, but but uh, don't th- that doesn't mean you should skip to next week. Uh, we're we're gonna have so much cool stuff, and there's a lot of cool stuff to talk about. It's just uh, the the actual minutes is a, is a lot of opening credits, which is of course par for the course for most movies. It is, it is, and uh, at least you get a, a really really cool queen song to start this off and right that's the good news is at least we've got one of the greatest songs ever from minutes uh, two and three or one and two however we're counting them uh flesh court a minute you've already uh already touched upon this minute we get we get to hear the amazing max von Sadow talking uh as ming that he is bored and what plaything his what's what's his henchman's name was it titus clitus and I'm, I'm going to let everyone know, Clytus, I love Clytus, I love his voice, I love the fact that Clytus is the first spoken word of the movie, uh, so uh, there's going to be a lot about Clytus from me as we go through this movie. It, it feels like the director or the casting, they just cast this movie totally on how cool everyone's voices are, because there's a lot of really great voices uh, in, in this movie, and uh, I, 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 I could listen to the opening minute of this film Many, many times over because uh, Von Seidel has uh, such a great, uh, as Ming has such a great voice, uh, just dripping malevolence. Oh, yeah. I mean, just, and just that I'm bored. I was right just dragging that O out there. And Clytus has a great voice, too. And it, it, an interesting take on so far and just what we've seen in a few seconds of him as a henchman where he doesn't seem to be the sniveling henchman or the henchman that is actually a good guy who is just stuck in a bad situation he seems sounds like he really enjoys what he's doing when when he laughs along with ming it, it feels like a, a an honest laugh yeah later on uh, later in the minute ming g- gives the evil laugh lasts for a few seconds and then clytus laughs for a few seconds after ming's done like he's just he's the perfect toady for him it's like smithers and burns on the simpsons you know he's he's enjoying this every bit as much as Ming is, yet also is making sure he's playing the role of the henchman. He's letting Ming finish his evil laugh before he starts his evil laugh. Yeah, there is a great toady. Uh, I'm so... Uh, uh, this is such a great way to start this movie. And Now, I am getting a little ahead of ourselves. We did have the Universal logo, a perfectly acceptable logo. Um, our friend Jarf is big into... Movie logos. We'll have to ask him his feelings on the, the, this particular Universal logo because, uh, as most production companies, 
production houses do go through different iterations of their uh, the, the, their pop up on screen logo. So I, I wonder how this fits into J- Jarf's uh, grading, how he would grade this one. Well, and interesting also after the logo ends and we start the movie, and then after we're a few seconds into the actual movie, we start zooming in on Earth, floating in space as Ming and Clytus are looking on it, and that Earth looks very fake and, and it i'm assuming it was meant to mirror the universal logo we just saw uh, but it looks like it was made out of play-doh like in one of my old science projects from elementary school it just i don't think they put a lot of the budget into that shot of the earth yeah and it's funny it would have been cool if they would have actually used the universal logo on phase it a little more seamlessly i'm remembering water world yes I remember that, yes. And whatever failings that movie had, and they were myriad, uh, it started with, <laughs> I, I think it was the Universal logo, but it was definitely a logo with a, a planet. And then it shows the logo, and then the, the words fade away, and then the ice caps melt, and the, the planet that's in the logo becomes Waterworld. And it was such a, it was actually a real nice way to sort of subtly take the uh, viewer into the movie. And, and that's something that they could have, maybe could have done here. Ah, I, I'm probably asking too much. But, but it was just something I thought. It's like, ah, you know, it was already in space. Would have been nice if they would have been a little more seamless. Well, while, we're, while we're talking about Earth, so they say, you know, he asks him, what do we got for him? And he says, an obscure body. And this is a very common thing that's done in science fiction where Earth and by extension humans are viewed in the larger universe as you know puny or minuscule or naive or practically neanderthals you you get it in star trek a lot you get it in the marvel comic books a lot um hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy when the planet's removed for a bypass it's just it's a very common thing of you guys are so new to space exploration you're you're nothing compared to these other advanced civilizations uh, around the universe yeah uh, I w- and when you mentioned the marvel movies that's the first thing i uh, marvel I, I first thing i thought of was at the end of the first avengers film where they were stunned that the, the earthlings were able to uh, withstand the jatari attack and uh, they're not as weak-willed or as weak as we thought they were right and that seems to be a very common trope. And I guess it's a thing where people, especially American audiences, love the underdog story. So just presenting Earth as the underdog is uh, very appealing. Yeah. And I mean, even the way Clytus sent us, he says that the planet Earth, there's this pause. And the way he says the word, he just there's so much contempt just for the fact that he has to sully his tongue by saying the word Earth even. Uh, what's funny is, and we'll see it shortly saying earth like it's such a weird term and it doesn't fit well in a song and then later we see like a earthquake show up on their monitor it's like well wait, why do you even have earthquake there you, you that doesn't even <laughs> seem like a word for you <laughs> yeah what do they think an earthquake was <laughs> they don't know what earth is <laughs> listen we just had this term here we just threw it around it was actually more of a word jumble it's a coincidence and, you know, the funny thing is about the the first thing he does is the earthquakes, and they show what is obviously stock footage. Oh. Um, and it's only one building falling at a time, so it's obviously planned implosions and not earthquakes they're showing footage of. <laughs> the stock footage in this and the following minutes is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and 
What, what was? Do you remember off the top of your head what the budget was for Flash Gordon? Uh, I don't. I, it was. I think it was pretty standard for the time. I feel like I want to say twenty something million. Um, I must have seen that somewhere for that number to pop in my head. I feel like I, 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 I just for some reason twenty something is popping in my head. Nineteen eighties money, not bad at all. No, it was a lot. Actually, I just pulled it up. Yep, twenty million. The budget was twenty, 20 million. million. There we go. Not a pretty nice budget, and uh, now granted, I, I get it. You're not going to blow the entire budget on blowing up a building for like the pre-credit <laughs> scenes, but it's like, wow, that's a that just looks pretty. The cheese factory is already, which is part of the charm of this movie, but the cheese factory is already uh, it's already in motion, right? And uh, speaking of cheese factor, Ming, uh, you know, he's, he's going to play with his food and uh, we see his ring and uh, both the, the cheesy visual effect of the ring and the cheesy sound effect. And man, that <laughs> sound effect is uh, it is awesome. Yes. And the way it glows and uh, a glowing that I feel like it wasn't quite centered right. Whoever did the effect on it was a little off target. So it looks like it's glowing a little off the ring. It, it, it just a fantastically terrible visual effect. <laughs> it starts out. So he says to Clytus, what plaything can you offer me today? Clytus offers him a planet for his plaything. And so clearly to me, that means he often is going to Clytus and saying, you know, I'm bored. What do you want me to, what do you got for me? And Clyde, one of Clytus's main job descriptions is obviously to find things for Ming to do. So what are, you know, I was trying to think of what are things other than planets that Clytus offers Ming as his playthings. As we see later in the movie, Ming likes his women. So I'm sure Clytus must have a stable of women he must be offering to Ming when he's not busy destroying a planet. He's got his, I believe, his power potion or pleasure potion later on. Uh, so drugs. Ming, I guess, likes to, you know, allow himself to let his brain enter different areas of reality. And I, I wondered what, what would Clytus ever one day come and say, hey, you know, uh, I just got back from R&D yesterday. They have this cool new weapon you can try out. I, I would like it if it, it turns out he had, like, one really mundane hobby or just one day it's like, uh, I'm bored. I think I will work on training my puppies. And then it just, <laughs> and, th- and not even like really threatening dogs, not like Irish wolfhounds. He's like, you know, him teaching dachshunds to sit and roll over. Just lo- especially, <laughs> especially Ming in full regalia. Like, it's like, no, come on, Mitzi, you must roll over this way, this way. <laughs> Yeah, or, uh, uh, yes, Miss, uh, Emperor, uh, here is your flute, the royal flute, if you'd like to practice your flute today. Uh, or, or it would also be awesome. It's like, uh, it's like, well, I'm bored. I think I shall work on my crocheting. <laughs> and there's, like, Ming needle pointing. It, 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 it's, it's funny where the idea this is how he battles his boredom. It's like, man, that's, that's a tough act to follow. How does anything, like, follow up is like, I... Uh, Going to go on a double date today because I don't know. Yesterday blew up a planet. It's I, I think his pleasure centers might be getting a little bit burnt out. Yeah, there's nowhere to go but down from there. I mean, and does Clytus have a list of inhabited planets that just in case Ming comes to him and says, "I'm bored, give me a planet to mess up today." Clytus could just check, you know, go to his Excel sheet and check it and say, "Uh, Earth. Let's. I'm going to give you Earth today." It's like uh, Mars. No, 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 Mars is okay. 
Oh, darn. All right. I got one. I got one. So as the minute ends, this is one, folks, this is one of the, the downsides of doing the minute by minute. Sadly, often the writers, directors, editors uh, don't take us into consideration, uh, possibly because there was no such thing as minute by minute podcasting when the, when this movie came out. So it sets up a great line and we're going to have to wait till tomorrow to share it with you. Although the minute does end on a great visual of the Ming flexing his fingers. It's very cliche bad guy, but it's just awesome the way he does it. This is a movie not afraid of cliches. Flash could not be any more of a stereotypical jock, square-jawed hero. Uh, Ming could... He's uh, so... Uh, what was the, 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 the classic Asian villain? Uh, Fu Manchu? Mm-hmm. I mean, he basically is Fu Manchu. I'm... I, I, right almost guarantee you at some point there was someone considering a lawsuit over uh, how similar Ming is to that, that old uh, villain. But I really like that where and there's, they definitely do modernize some of the concepts from this movie. They still know that this is taking a Sunday funny papers uh, in spot, you know, comic strip and the, the movie serials. And they're going to really lean into that, uh, into that. And that could be really effective thinking about, the uh, Indiana Jones movies, which were based on the old movie serials and using those sort of cliffhangers and those really broad, larger than life uh, characters and uh, archetypes. Uh, and it can really be effective. And Ming definitely, he, he, as soon as you hear him, you just know this is, this is not a shades of gray antihero. This is a bad guy who loves being a bad guy. Right. And you know what you said about not shying away from cliches, not shying away from borrowing things. Star Wars borrows a lot from Flash Gordon. The scroll, the opening scroll that every Star Wars movie has, those are from the old Flash Gordon serials. And so there's a real irony here that this movie, which actually is a Flash Gordon movie, does not have the opening scroll. And it almost, I mean, I didn't read this, but this is me just using my educated guess here. They almost certainly didn't use a scroll because after people saw Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back, if they saw this in Flash Gordon, they would have said, hey, they stole that from Star Wars. Which they, Star Wars is doing that. Oh, yeah. Nobody else can do a, a scroll in any sort of, unless you're par- doing a parody of Star Wars, you cannot do a Star Wars S scroll. That's right. Lucas got that wrapped up a- after the first scroll appeared in the first Star Wars movie. It's like, well, we just ruined it for everybody. It- it's-, it's like trying to do a shark movie after Jaws. You can do it, but everyone's just going to think about Jaws. Fun first minute, uh, fun minute zero. We're going to pretty quickly be diving into the uh, opening credits, which last a while, but they have some great music. So that's okay. Anything else from this minute zero that you wanted to call out? That is what I've got. Well, this has been a, a fun first minute to discuss. We're, it's going to be you and me this week. Yes, we're, we're going to have. We have so many great guests, and uh, I, I, I want to start sharing who the guests are. But we're, I think we're going to start talking about who's going to be joining us next week. Just some, some very cool stuff, uh, Eric. It, it, again, we talked about it on our pilot episode, but I just want to say uh, thank you for joining us, uh, joining me on this journey. This is this is going to be a good time. Oh yeah, Brad, I am I am happy. That you are here with me. All right, so uh, I think uh, that I think we're ready to, to to wrap this up. Attention, listeners! You can follow us on Twitter at Flash Gordon Pod and join the conversation on Facebook in the Flash Gordon Minute Listeners Vortex. 
Stay tuned for our next thrilling episode of Flash Gordon Minute.